cliffcentral.com. Beyonce with 7-Eleven on cliffcentral.com at five minutes after one o'clock on a Thursday and I, uh, time for another edition of Between Two Femmes. Um, except today I'm flying solo, Mabali Muloe, and Aspasia Karras is off jet setting again. That's kind of in her job description. She gets to travel all over the place. Um, she's in Amsterdam currently, so she'll be back with us next week. Um, in the meantime, though, let's get straight into the important order of business, which is um, helping you by rewarding you with a Samsung Galaxy S4. Yes, it is Cliff Central's birthday on the 1st of May. And to celebrate, we're giving away half a million rands worth of smartphones. We've been doing this throughout the month of April. And you still have a chance to win. You can win just by listening out for the question on Cliff Central. Submit your answer on WeChat by tapping Connect and then Competition on the menu. It's very easy. Um, I ask you a question. You send me the answer um, on Cliff Central, as I said, by tapping Connect and then Competition on the menu. And... Um, Today's question is, what show looks at the legal aspects of life? Here on Cliff Central, um, we have a show for almost anything, really. Um, if you think about it and you want information on it, on it there's a show for that. And uh, so the question for today, what show looks at the legal aspects of life? Give me the name of the show. If you want an upgrade or need a new smartphone, we'll hook you up with a Samsung Galaxy S4. Win with Cliff Central and WeChat for the month of April. Visit cliffcentral.com for details. T's and C's apply. Now, this afternoon, I am joined by uh, dietitian Gabriella Jackson. Gabriella, good afternoon. Thank you so much for coming in this afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for having me. Um, Gabriella is joining me this afternoon because we're going to be tackling the very interesting and very important topic of uh, pregnancy. And uh, we're going to be talking about the nutritional aspect of it and then the exercise part of it. Uh, we've got biokineticist and personal trainer, Letsiko Zulu, joining us later on in the show. Um, you know, this this really came from an interesting article that I came across on dailymail.co.uk and the frightening um, statistics there that, that I discovered, which basically is that there has been a huge rise in the number of obese mothers which means that there are a lot of women who are giving birth, and at the time of giving birth, they are obese. So I've got um, Gabriella Jackson joining me this afternoon, as well as Letsiho Zulu, as I mentioned, and we're going to get, you know, we're going to get into the gist of the importance of having a fit and healthy pregnancy. And so, Gabriella, maybe the first, or my first question to you is because I didn't realize this, and we were chatting um, earlier. Apparently, there's a difference between being a dietitian and a nutritionist. <laughs> Um, yes, there is. So basically we study, we study completely different, or not completely different, but relatively different degrees. Um, dietetics is a BSc degree and we work primarily with uh, therapeutic nutrition. So nutrition for different diseases, sicknesses, illnesses, so on and so forth, okay. amongst other things. Yeah. Pregnancy being one of the things that we look at. And then nutritionists look at 
more health promotion, promoting healthy eating, promoting um, how to maintain healthy eating, perhaps, you know, how to shop healthy, healthily, those sorts of things. Okay. So uh, if you're a, if you're a dietitian, you can do what a nutritionist does. And then if you're a nutritionist, can you do what a dietitian does? Technically speaking, no. <laughs> let's get technical. Okay, let, let's get technical because I don't think that a lot of people realize that there is this crucial difference between the two. Yeah. Um, technically speaking, we as dietitians focus on the therapy, using food for therapy. And we tend to underestimate how important that is and how dangerous it can be. I mean, you sometimes get people with certain diseases, illnesses, and if you use food inappropriately, you can actually cause more harm than good. So a very good example, okay, completely off the topic, but um, a very good example of this is if you have someone who is malnourished, mm. they are sick with possibly HIV, TB, TB, one of those sorts of illnesses, and they are malnourished. If they come into hospital, if they go and see someone and they – the person just says, okay, let's give you lots and lots of food to try and get your nutritional status back up. You can actually kill that person by feeding them too much too quickly. Oh. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> so it is really something that's very important. It's important to understand how all the different diseases work, how we need to put everything together to make sure that we have the best outcome for the individual. This article that I was reading on dailymail.co.uk says that there are 60 times more or as many women that are giving birth um, obese than, than what there was 10 years ago. So the, the, the number has increased 60-fold. Um, let's just talk about statistics and bring it back home. Um, do we know what South Africa's statistics are when it comes to this? Are more and more women um, obese and are more and more women giving birth obese in South Africa? Well, in South Africa, in general, we have seen a rise in the obesity levels. But um, one of the most difficult things within South Africa, within our situation and our setting, is that the recording of statistics is not what it should be. Purely because we have got such a vast range of people living in our country. And, I mean, you have people that are living like us, you know, in Joburg, big city, all the rest of it. Mm. But you also have a huge proportion of our population that are living in rural outlying areas and they don't have access to healthcare the way that we do. Mm. And they don't have access to, you know, going to see dietitians, going to see doctors, so on and so forth. And that in and of itself is going to affect our um, re reliability of our statistics. And that is a large number of our country's population. Definitely. Okay, so Gabriella, then let's get straight into it. Um, eating for two. <laughs> First of all, where does this come from? What does it even mean? And is it true? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, there's all the, all the various old wives tales that we get, you know, oh, well, my mother's 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 mother said that I must eat for two because I'm pregnant. Yeah. And unfortunately, those sorts of things do tend to stick very often. It is a myth. Sadly. Okay, um, so we, we are officially debunking this myth today. We are debunking the myth, let's hope. Okay, all right. Um, one of the biggest problems is you need to remember, people say, okay, I need to eat for two. Mm. I am an adult. I'm a fully, fully grown woman. My requirements are very, very different to that tiny little baby yeah. that literally only starts weighing more than 200 grams after about seven weeks. Okay. 
Okay. okay. So we tend to go, oh, well, I'm pregnant. I need to eat for two. And in actual fact, science shows us that we only need to increase our energy requirements by about 1,200 kilojoules a day. Now, to put that into perspective for you, that's essentially eating one extra jungle oats bar a day. <gasps> that's all that my growing baby needs. Well, not my growing baby. I'm not pregnant. But, I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay, so... Wow. Okay. You see, this is a huge reality check then because it means essentially chances are that there are a lot of pregnant women who are eating or taking in more calories than they actually should be or need. Exactly. And, you know, one of the biggest problems is that not only does the woman, the pregnant woman's weight increase more than what it should increase, mm-hmm. what we tend to see is children that are born overweight. If you have a tiny little baby that's born overweight, from the get-go, you're putting more strain onto its organs. It has to work harder to to be alive. That's why we want to keep the birth weight at round about the between 3 and 4 kilogram mark. So then as a dietitian, how exactly do you then do that? I mean, let's say that I'm I'm now pregnant and I'm very concerned for my baby and I'm also concerned about... You know, my waistline, because let's face it, a lot of women are terrified at the prospect of gaining X number of kilograms during their pregnancy. So then I come to see you and I say, listen, I need help to make sure that I'm eating well and that I'm also not going overboard. What do you then do? What steps do you take as a dietitian? Okay, so first things first, we actually, where we start is we look at what you're doing at the moment. Okay. Because you never know what you need to change unless you know where you're starting. So... First things first, we look at what you're doing at the moment. Then from that, we take the science, the evidence, the things that we know, and we then apply that knowledge to making sure that you have a meal plan that is complete. So we want to see you take in a combination of different foods, so carbohydrate-based foods, protein-based foods, enough fats in the diet, so on and so forth, Mm. um, as well as getting your combination of different fruits and vegetables so that you're getting your your vitamins and minerals and now okay so it's it's important to know where you're starting let's say um let's say that you're starting with um somebody who's maybe not eating well in the sense that they're malnourished so maybe they're getting away with one meal a day and it's really it's not nutritional stuff it's maybe like a bar of chocolate here and there Um, And then suddenly this person realizes, oh, my goodness, I'm pregnant. Now what do I do? Because clearly being malnourished is is not good either. I mean, that's that's on the extreme opposite end of the scale. Yes, absolutely. Um, What we actually see in order to have ideal birth weight in a child of a malnourished or previously malnourished parent, we actually need to see a higher weight gain than what we would for the normal woman. So something that we tend to overlook sometimes as the general public is that depending on what your nutritional status is before pregnancy, it's going to affect how much weight you need to gain during your pregnancy. Huh. So there isn't some kind of range of healthy weight gain for pregnancy that you can apply to all women. It's specific to the woman that you're dealing with, her physiology, her current state in terms of um, what she's eating and how healthy she is. Basically, that's what you say. Absolutely. I always say to people, no two people are a carbon cut out of one another. Right. Every single person is an individual and you need to be treated as such. But apparently these cravings are the, the they're the devil because, <laughs> <laughs> because you know, you, you, you hear a lot of women, a lot of uh, women going through pregnancy saying, you know, I tried really, really hard, but these, these cravings, 
what do you what are you supposed to do with cravings? How do you manage them? You know, how do you stop yourself from wanting that those four bars of chocolate in a go? <laughs> you know, it's very easy for me to sit here as someone who's never been pregnant before. Yeah. Um to sit here and say, oh, well, this is what we're supposed to do. Unfortunately, the main thing that we have to remember is when you are pregnant, you're going to have hormones rushing around in your body doing their own thing completely. Right. And unfortunately, that is often going to dictate what our cravings are, the types of foods that we're going to eat, possibly even foods that we feel that we can't eat. You know, a lot of women complain about nausea during pregnancy and all of that. But we can make educated guesses and try to eat as well as what we can. And obviously there are certain types of cravings that you can get that can be dangerous. Mm. So there's some women crave cigarettes. We know that smoking during pregnancy is quite dangerous. Okay. So out of nowhere, that's, that's just a sudden craving that they have. They might not necessarily have been smokers before falling pregnant. Is that what you're saying? It's possible. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. No. You also get um, certain medically diagnosed cravings that some women get. So, for example, some women crave rocks and clay and sand, and they literally have to stop themselves from eating that. Is it, um, this might be a dumb question, but is it dangerous to then eat soil and sand and or, or rocks or whatever when, you, when you're craving that stuff? But that, is, that is a big thing. Like, that's a craving that I've heard about often. Yeah. So the scientific term for it is pika. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, that's correct. <laughs> it is incredibly dangerous because you must remember as soon as you're taking something that has got no nutritional value whatsoever, it means that you're filling your stomach up, stomach up with something that isn't actually going to be giving your baby anything. Mm -hmm. So we're going from one extreme to the other. You're either taking too much and your body can't use it properly. When your body doesn't use it, it stores it. To the other end of the scale where you're filling your stomach up with something that's not giving you any nutri nutrition, but you're not sort of able to take in those foods that are going to be nutrient dense and give your baby all that it needs to grow. And then getting rid of the baby weight. I mean, I've often heard people saying that, well, you know, if it took you X number of months to put the weight on, then allow it more or less the same amount of time to get the weight off. Um, but then you also hear that, oh, no, baby weight falls off very quickly because of breastfeeding. I mean, yeah. let's get into that whole thing. So weight loss post-pregnancy is a very, very tricky business. Oh, okay. Um, Gosh. <laughs> the reason for that is you must remember during pregnancy, your body is literally getting ready. It is storing up. It's trying to grow a human being. Mm. Um, and it's trying to store up so that postpartum you can start breastfeeding. So one of the best ways for losing weight postpartum is um, to breastfeed. Okay. Because all of those nutrients that your body has stored up, it's gotten ready to breastfeed your baby. Because breast, breast milk actually is the best thing that you can give to a child. It's got all the nutrients, all the best balance of the fats and the carbohydrates and so on and so forth. Um, so your body gets ready to breastfeed. And when you're using those stores, you, you're going to see weight loss. Um, now what you, you do get those women who are, um, bordering on being obsessed with, with their weight and then they fall pregnant and they think, oh my gosh, I'm going to get fat. I'm going to get fat. And then they want to apply restrictions to their eating plan. Um, how dangerous is it to do that? It's essentially almost like going, trying to go on a diet, but you are pregnant. Yeah. I, I mean, let's, let's talk about the dangers of then being too restrictive with, with your meals. Well, the biggest thing that we have to remember, as soon as you cut 
anything out of your diet, it means that you could possibly be missing out on a whole nutrient group. So if you say, oh, my gosh, I'm pregnant, I don't want to put on too much weight, I'm going to avoid everything with fat in it. Mm. You're actually neglecting to give your baby essential fatty acids. And if your child doesn't get those when it's in in your belly, mm-hmm. um, essentially, what happens is you actually affect the development of the vital organs, specifically the brain. So if you're not getting enough fat whilst you're pregnant, if you're not taking in enough fat in the diet, you can actually have seriously negative impact on your child's mental development. Now, I've met women who will say something like, you know, I haven't had carbohydrates in 10 years. And then now let's say you fall pregnant, but you don't want to introduce carbs into your meal plan. I mean, is that is that a bad move? Do you, you need to, you know, you need to think about your baby, correct? Correct. And, you know, that's one of my favorite questions because carbs is used very loosely as a term. Okay. Um, something that we have to remember is all of your vegetables, all of your fruits contain carbohydrates. Right. Your foods contain carbohydrates. They might not contain carbohydrates in the typical sort of version of it. So looking at your rice and your oats and, and your pasta and your pastas <laughs> yeah. and your bub. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but w- all of our foods contain carbohydrates. So we're going to be getting those nutrients. But it does become very important if you are very restrictive. And, you know, there's some people that say they're going to stay away from your more starchy veg. So things like um, corn, butternut, pumpkin, and they stay away from those sorts of things. And within pregnancy, it's so important to make sure you're getting enough carbohydrates because carbohydrates are the child's best fuel source. Okay. Sort of like the the, the building blocks or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. So the... The essential building block, the base of the house, I always say it's the foundation. You have to have a good, strong foundation. Mm-hmm. And those carbohydrates are really going to set that, that foundation down. Um, you, you, you gave us a number earlier saying that you, or science says that you need something like an extra 1,200 kilojoules per day when you're yep. pregnant. Does that number um, double when, when you're pregnant with twins? Do, I, mean, I mean, you know, if, you, if you're carrying more than one baby, how does that how does that impact on the number? Because I would think that logically it does, but I could be wrong. Okay. So very, very good point. You do need to see higher percentage of weight gain when pregnant with t- twins, but it's not that much higher than what we would think it would be. So to go into the sort of nitty gritty of it, basically what we want to see for someone that's a normal weight pre-pregnancy, what we want to see is about 11 to 16 kilograms of weight gain. When someone with a normal BMI is pregnant with twins, we only want to see 16 to 20 kilograms. So it's not a huge increase. And it's certainly not double the 11 to 16 kilogram when when it's just one baby. Definitely. 11 to 16 kilograms, hey? Yeah. That's for the normal, someone that's got a normal BMI. I mean, that's... You know, in terms of actual weight gain, if you put on 16 kilograms, it's, it's like a horrific thought. But if you think about the fact that this is now during pregnancy when a human being is growing inside of you, I mean, that's not a hell of a lot of extra weight. No, it's not. And, you know, if you break it down, it makes it a lot more sort of reasonable because if you think about between three and four kilos is going to be the weight of the actual child, then you have the amniotic fluid, you have all sorts of other things that are going on where the actual 
child is, yeah. um, where the fetus is. And then you also have the stores that are building up in your body, getting your body ready for breastfeeding. Okay, now let's talk about um, foods to avoid during pregnancy. Um, you know, the, the raw fish, we, we, we all, we've all heard about it. But I mean, is there a, a long list or a big category of, of foods that are just stay away from them if you're pregnant? And what are the reasons for that? Okay. So there are quite a few foods that we need to avoid or just be more careful of during pregnancy. Obviously, some of them are more sort of blaringly obvious and in your face than others. So things like alcohol. Yes. Well, you know, that's never good. I mean, that's that's usually a bad idea even when you're not pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so alcohol can affect the growth and the development of the fetus. Um, people that do drink excessively during pregnancy can give birth to a child that has what we call fetal alcohol syndrome. Mm. And it affects the physical features as well as the cognitive development, so the brain development of the child. Okay. Um, then we look at certain artificial sweeteners. So saccharin as an artificial sweetener can be dangerous. In, in, in what way is it dangerous though? So wh- what we're trying to avoid is anything that's going to, to cross the placenta. Okay. So certain substances are going to cross the placenta and that when you're a tiny little baby, you can't deal with them. Yeah. And saccharin in, in particular as a sweetener can have negative effects in terms of the growth and development of the child. Okay. All right. Okay. And then? Caffeine. We all know not too much caffeine. You can still have caffeine. So the recommendation is 300 milligrams Day. But I mean, what is that? Is that one cup of coffee? You know, like what, what is 300 milligrams? <laughs> it's a very good question. It depends on how you're taking it in, but you could go up to one to two cups of coffee a day. Okay. But generally we tend to say rather stay away from it because you never know. I mean, all you need is to be feeling a little bit nauseous. Maybe you have a bit of flat Coke because that's what makes you feel better when you're nauseous. Right. And you're going to be getting some caffeine and through that. So rather just try and avoid coffees, teas, those sorts of things in excessive amounts. Okay. Um, another one which I always find quite interesting is green tea. But well, we've we've been bombarded with information about the health benefits of green tea, and it's it's absolutely the best thing for me under the sun. Why should I suddenly avoid it when I'm pregnant? Okay, so I also found it really interesting when I, I was reading up a little bit, brushing up on on my my memory. <laughs> um, but green tea, specifically in the first trimester, it reduces the body's absorption and uptake of. But vitamin B9, which is your folic acid. Now we all hear pregnancy, folic acid, super duper important. But what happens is if you have a deficiency, you actually, um, stop the closing of the neural tube, which means that something called spina bifida can develop. Hmm. So <laughs> that's why we tend to stay away from it and supplement with vitamin B9. So again, for the neural development of the child. Okay. Then we've got a couple of other sort of more basic ones. So things like your unpasteurized dairy, your raw fish, oysters, those sorts of things. Bye um, bye sushi. You, you can't, yeah. you can't have any of that. Hey. <laughs> Sorry, but no sushi. Um, and then also your undercooked meats. So the biggest problem or the biggest reason why we say that is because as soon as something's not pasteurized or it's not cooked, you can have any pathogens in it. So you can have any bad bugs sitting in there and we don't know 
if they could cross the placenta. So we don't really ever want to take the chance of having it cross the placenta. So if you're the kind of person who likes their steak very, 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 very rare, you're going to have to contend with having it completely dead overdone. Sadly, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. And this goes for all meats, eh? All meats, yeah. Okay. Especially, obviously, with your pork and your chicken, the ones that we know can can be quite quite likely to have um, pathogens. Right. Then the other two that um, often are quite interesting and, and fewer people know about are things like liver. So you want to stay away from liver and other organ meats because they're very high in vitamin A. Okay, and vitamin A is bad because? You can actually develop a vitamin A toxicity in the child and affect their liver function. Aha, uh-huh. okay. Okay. And then the last one is nuts. What? Okay. I live by nuts. I can't go through a day without my almonds or my cashew nuts. All nuts, are all nuts bad? So what happens during pregnancy with nuts in particular? So whether you're looking at peanuts or you're looking at your tree nuts, so your almonds, macadamia nuts, cashew nuts, so on and so forth, what actually happens is your body can let that protein cross the placenta and the child can actually develop an allergy to it. Oh, of course, nut allergies. Okay, 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 okay. I don't know if you've ever heard of, I know I've heard of women who crave peanut butter when they're pregnant. And that child that is born will have a peanut allergy. Oh, my word. Not always, but 99% of the time. So rather just stay away from it. Don't take the chance. Okay. Um, we're talking to Gabrielle Jackson, a dietitian, and um, in a moment or two, we're going to get a biokineticist and personal trainer, Litsiho Zulu, to join us on this conversation. She's like a fitness guru, and um, she's actually also currently pregnant, and she is one of the best-looking pregnant women that I have ever seen in my life. I mean, um, she's on the cover of uh, one of these magazines now. It, it escapes me right now. But, you know, she's there and she's posing with, with dumbbells in both hands and she looks so lean and strong. So I thought who better than to get uh, to join in on this conversation than Litsa Khosulu. She, uh, she's coming up next. Can you feel it? Now it's coming back. We can steal it. If we bridge this gap, I can see you through the curtains of the waterfall. Shepherd on cliffcentral.com with Geronimo. Uh, it's just gone a little bit after half past one. Here on cliffcentral.com with Between Two Fames. Let me just remind you again of a chance for you to win with Cliff Central, WeChat and Samsung. Uh, it is our birthday on the 1st of May, and so to celebrate, we're giving away half a million rands worth of smartphones. Answer the simple question uh, by going onto WeChat, onto the Cliff Central official account on WeChat, tap connect, and then competition on the menu. And all I want from you is to, show, is to tell me what show looks at the legal aspects of life. Give me the name of the show, and that Samsung Galaxy S4 will be yours. Um, still talking to Gabrielle Jackson, a dietitian, uh, this afternoon, and then we're also going to bring in Litsecho Zulu to join us. Uh, Balesa, do we have Litsecho on? Okay, Litsecho, can you hear me? I can hear you, Mabale. How Fan- are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm great. Um, <laughs> now, Litsecho, you are, I mean, you're basically a machine. You know, <laughs> you're a fitness guru, you're a biokineticist, you're a personal trainer, you're now pregnant, you're looking great. Um I mean, you've run marathons, you've, you've done cycle races. Are you still keeping up that level of intense intensity into your pregnancy? 
Well, I carried it um, when when I obviously started with my pregnancy. I mean, at nine weeks, um, I completed the um, Amashova cycle race in, in Durban, which oh. is about 108 kilometers. Oh, my God. Um, and, and a good two, three weeks later, I then did the 94.7 um, and the Soweto Half Marathon. So I did keep up the momentum, but obviously because of the body changing, yeah. um, I've had to slow down. Um you know, a lot of people have said, yeah, you finally come to your senses. But it's not really that. I've just altered my training. I'm still going to the gym three times a week. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm still training. And um, it's, it's, it, it's just a matter of adjusting the training based on where my body is at. Okay, but now, as I said, I mean, you've always been fit since day one anyway. And so my question is... You know, it's easier for you because you've you've been fit all your life anyway, correct? I mean, if I suddenly started doing marathons when when I'm pregnant, when I didn't do them before being pregnant, that would obviously be a stupid move, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, You know, fitness during pregnancy really does depend on your pre-pregnancy fitness. So before you fall pregnant, um, you know, we're not going to have you start running marathons when you fall pregnant. If you weren't doing any exercise before um, before pregnancy, then you definitely shouldn't be um, attempting to start any sort of vigorous physical activity. Um, but at the same time, I'm not saying just because you weren't exercising before pregnancy, you shouldn't at all engage in any physical activity. I mean, walking is exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for someone that wasn't doing any exercise previously, um, you know, you, you get pregnancy yoga, you get you get other forms of relaxed um, exercise forms for people that weren't training pre-pregnancy. And, of course, it depends on uh, whether you get the green light from your gynecologist um, or any other medical professionals that you're working with. Um, you know, I, I very often say to people, you're pregnant, not disabled. You know, you don't have <laughs> to become a couch potato just because you're pregnant. Right. Um Gabrielle, let me bring you in here and then let's I also want to get your response to this next question. You know, uh, when it comes to the nutrition aspect of things, you know, they, they often say that you should eat to complement your training, you know. So if you, if you're in the gym burning calories hard, then your, your nutrition should complement that. Now, when you suddenly fall pregnant, um, what is more important if, if you're still training to eat for your training or to eat for baby? Or do you somehow find need to find the perfect balance for the two, which takes priority there? You know, I very often say to people, healthy eating is healthy eating. So whether you're eating correctly for your training or you're eating correctly for your pregnancy, healthy eating is healthy eating. So your food choices should still be more or less the same. What's going to change is how much of certain foods you're taking in. Um, for example, you need to make sure that you're taking in enough carbohydrates, not only for recovery after exercise, but also for the de- development of the child. You need to make sure that you're still taking in those fats because we know we were, we were discussing earlier, fats very important for the cognitive development of the child. Mm. Um, Lizzie, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And, and um, just to touch a bit more on the carbs as well, Yeah. Uh, especially in the first trimester, you need those carbs as well for your own energy levels. Um, so, yes, it's for baby and, yes, you know, for the development of the baby, but for yourself as well so that you're able to exercise and continue um, functioning throughout the day. Um, the one thing that I've also increased in my diet is protein. Um, you know, obviously I'm not 
um, you, lifting heavy weights, and, and I know my muscle mass has decreased, um, so I've definitely increased uh, my, my protein intake. Well, let's, let's talk about your training because you said that, you know, you are still maintaining your three days uh, a week in gym. You, 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 I can't believe you did all these marathons, but then again, okay, that's just you. But, um, so your training hasn't really changed that much, but further into your pregnancy, is it, is it something that you're going to have to cut down on even more ultimately? I mean, are you going to be in the gym at eight and a half months pregnant? still rocking that treadmill as hard as you do now? <laughs> well, I'm not rocking it as much as, as I was previously. Okay. Um, it's, more, it's more the frequency rather than the intensity. I've reduced my intensity dramatically. In actual fact, I could easily say I'm a bit bored. Um, but, you know, like, for example, this morning on the treadmill, I was walking at a speed of 5Ks an hour which is actually quite boring for me. <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm usually on the treadmill running at 12 k's an hour. But does it, frust- um, does it frustrate you immensely? You know, because no, you know what? The thing is, I know what journey I'm on. I'm, I know I'm, I'm carrying precious cargo. Mm. So being frustrated is really not going to help me in any way. Um, I know that I want to keep fit, but at the same time, it's about the safety of, of my little one. So, you know, I'm not allowing it to frustrate me, but I'm, you know, I can confess to you that I am a little bit bored in terms of, <laughs> in, the, in terms of my training. There is a story that has made it big online about this one woman who finished the Boston Marathon at 34 <laughs> weeks pregnant. And there's a picture of her at the finish line and she's wearing a pink shirt, which re, which reads coming in six weeks. And, you know, that's obviously referring to her baby. You're yeah. six weeks away from giving birth and you've just completed a marathon. How is that possible? You know what, Mavale? It Like I said earlier on, it really does depend on your pre-pregnancy fitness. Um, you know, I've got fellow runners that um, the one girl ran until a week before she gave birth. So it, it really does depend on how strong your body is and what you're, what you're able to, to, to take. Um, she must have been a, you know, semi-pro, if not a pro athlete, yeah. pre-pregnancy for her to sustain that. Um, you know, I, I had entered the Two Oceans um, half marathon for this year, but, you know, a couple of weeks earlier or, or before the race, I, I decided to step back and, and, and give that entry to someone else because, yes, I, I could do it, I, I can do it, I know I can, but I thought to myself, you know what, <sighs> It's only one year. This race is, it's an annual race. I'll be back next year. Um, you know, let me give it a rest. You know, I've, I've, I've got eight weeks to go until my little one is here. So wow. I'm also quite far on in my pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Gabrielle, um, you know, a lot, a lot of us like to talk or, or maybe blame things on genetics. You know, some, sometimes we, we, we just, we put on weight. We're prone to putting on weight and then they'll say, ah, well, it's genetics. And then you'll see supermodels bouncing back within weeks of giving birth. And in fact, they never really look obese during pregnancy. And people will say, oh, no, that's genetics. I mean, how much of that really? really is genetics because i hear you two here talking about a lot of it depends on your pre-pregnancy lifestyle were you eating well enough to begin with were you training um to begin with how much of this genetics thing really is true 
You know, Mabali, I wish that I could give you a sound scientific answer, <laughs> but unfortunately, it really, again, it is such a personal thing. And yes, there's the whole thing of you've either won or lost the genetic lottery. Mm. And, you know, some of us do gain weight more easily than other people, but very often we can relate it back to current lifestyle habits, pre-pregnancy lifestyle habits. So whether it's looking at your food or your exercise, the combination of the two. Um, and Again, a lot of these sort of supermodels and um, movie stars and all the rest of it, they have correct pre-pregnancy weight. They are very, very particular during pregnancy about gaining their weight correctly. Yeah. And post-pregnancy, they start their training. They start their healthy eating very, very well again. So it's really a case of how good you're going to be about it, and that's going to be the largest um, factor. Let's we were talking about cravings earlier and how, you know, it's, it seems to be this battle between trying to maintain healthy eating, um, and then weighing that up, up against giving into your cravings. So as somebody who is actually going through the journey, um, how are you managing your cravings? Do you have any at all? You know, Mavale, I think it's the health nut in me that has really kept me sane. Um, you know, you'll laugh at me, but but my I've, the, the biggest thing that I've craved during pregnancy has been mangoes. Oh, um, you're you so know. lucky. And <laughs> <laughs> mangoes, mangoes in different forms. Um, so you know, I think also because pre-pregnancy, I wasn't necessarily the person to veer towards the chips and the fatty foods, and so I just generally don't like that type of food. Mm. So, you know, during my pregnancy, I haven't really craved unhealthy food. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let me get you both to answer this one. Let's Let me start with you. If you are somebody who is taking supplements and protein shakes and you're, you know, you're, ah, there's, there's so many different types of these things out there, the creatine and the CLA and I don't know the what else, if you're somebody who was living off of this stuff and now you've fallen pregnant, do you need to get off that stuff immediately? Or can you can you actually still use protein shakes and the like throughout your pregnancy? Um, I've, I've kept up taking my protein shake. Um, I don't know if I can mention the brand. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. There is a protein. There, there is a. It's actually more of a meal replacement shake, um, and I and I add protein powder to it that I've continued during my pregnancy simply because I've got days when cooked food just smells terrible, and I just don't feel like cook, a cooked meal, you know. Mm-hmm. And one can have so much um, raw fruits and vegetables. Um, but of course, that's not enough. So I supplement with that shake of mine. Gabriella? Yeah. Um, um, so sports supplements are a big burning question. They yeah. always are. My personal feel, you never know what you're getting. Unfortunately, there is such a lax in the control of what is actually going into those supplements. And you know, I actually attended a, a talk a few days ago. A scientist from the UK came over and he was discussing what he's found in his science um, and his research with regards to people taking supplements, doing su- studies on people that are taking certain supplements. And he closed off his his talk with a statement. He said, if it works, it's probably banned. 
if it's on the market, if it's not banned, it probably doesn't work. And I'm a bit of a, a cynic in that way, I suppose, because I don't really like them because of the fact that you don't know what you're getting. So my mm. personal feeling is I would say rather stay away from them. If mm. you are going to go onto a supplement, go onto something that is made by a food company. So you get certain food products, food um, supplements that are made by nutrition companies. They're not pharmaceutical companies. Mm. And in those products, you don't see the cross-contamination that you see in the pharmaceutical supplements. Okay. Let's go. Um, I absolutely agree with you. Um, and, and for me, before I, you know, this is a shake that I was taking pre-pregnancy and I was a bit skeptical once I found out I was pregnant and I did my research and I spoke to a good five, um, previously pregnant women who, um, were taking, you know, this specific shake right through pregnancy and, um, you know, their babies are healthy and, you know, they went through their pregnancies and, um, yeah, you know, it is a bit of a contentious issue. Um, you never really know what you're getting. And uh, it's one of those touch-and-go, catch-22 type of things. I definitely agree. And I think it's very much a case of due dil- diligence. If you yeah. research, if you have a look at what you're taking, you look at the the reputation of the company that's making this specific supplement, then you are covering your bases. Okay. Um, Lissico, we, we, we're going to let you go because, you know, as I mentioned, Superwoman, you're a machine. Uh, <laughs> you're working, you're exercising, you're training people, you're giving advice, you're doing your thing. Eight weeks away, congratulations. And, uh, you know, I'm sure the next eight weeks are going to be a walk in the park for you. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, so far, I must say I've had a great pregnancy. I haven't really had any issues whatsoever. No morning sicknesses and all of that. Oh, so well, now you're just showing off. <laughs> It's been absolute bliss, and you know, I, that could be due to my hectic fitness life. So, yeah, but thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. We always appreciate your um, your input. Uh, Zulu, biokineticist and personal trainer, and overall Wonder Woman. Um, okay, Gabrielle. So these <laughs> these women who train these bodybuilder women. Okay. I mean, you start out with a body fat percentage of like 3%. Um, look, again, you know, you have people saying that's really not good for your body. Um, this is the case, right? It's not good for you. It's not healthy. Um, you need to remember it's it's really something that needs to be taken with a whole heap of salt because, again, like I said, no two people are carbon cutouts of one another. It depends from person to person. Obviously, the body fat percentage is a big talking point because in women in particular, mm. we actually have to have a minimum of 15% body fat because if we have less than that, our sexual organs stop working. So these are your ovaries, your... Yeah, they all, they can stop working because they're not getting the fat to function properly. As I said, fat is so important for brain function, for all of your vital organ function. You have to have enough of it in your body. Men can have less than women can for the simple fact that they don't have to sustain their, you know, protect their uterus and all that sort of thing. Right. Um, but if you are someone who is a bodybuilder and you are incredibly fit, you have got a low percentage body fat, in order for you to actually be able to fall pregnant, it would have to be higher than 15%. Okay. So these women then, I mean, if if they decide that they want to have a child, they then usually have to consciously 
work at getting their body fat percentage higher because usually when they're competing, they drop it down to as low as possible. Yes, absolutely. I mean, as I said, for women, it's not particularly easy for it to get lower than 15. Right. Um, you look at your ballet dancers, for example, they're the, the best example where we see these very lean bodies, very low percentage body fat. And sometimes it can, like I said, it, it can cause what we call amenorrhea. Um, but when you are at that low percentage body weight, you do actually have to slowly bring it back up. And that's not to say that you're going to go and eat McDonald's burger and fries. No. <laughs> it means that you're going to improve your diet slightly to include more of your good fats, your things like your nuts, avocado oil, your raw olive oils, fish, um, those sorts of things, to make sure that you get it up in a healthy manner to get your body ready to have a child. And I actually, talking about percentage body fat. I, I had a bit of a laugh the other day. Um, a friend of mine is an occupational therapist and she says, Gabby, I, mean, I read the most awesome study today. So I said, oh really, what was it? So she says, no, I read on how if you've got bigger hips, it means that you're going to have a smarter baby because they have got more access to the fat. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, Gabrielle Jackson, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon to talk about, uh, this, this, this topic. Um, yeah, look, at the end of the day, it really just is about, um, what your situation was like before falling pregnant. If you're, if you're healthy and you're exercising before, then that's pretty much the, the route that you should follow throughout your pregnancy. Oh, wait, I do want to ask though. I mean, we, we've been told about the dangers of being overweight when you fall pregnant. What what is the approach that is used by by health healthcare professionals in this instance? You have a woman who is say obese and then they fall pregnant. Do these women get put on diets? Do they? I mean, how does that work? You know, it's a very tricky thing. Again, like I said, you have to look at the individual. Yeah. If this is someone who's got poor eating habits and they're not taking in a variety of different foods, they're not getting all the different nutrients that they need, then we are going to need to have some form of dietary intervention. If they have got a relatively healthy diet, often we don't need to sort of change the diet so much as what we need to just make sure they don't gain too much weight. Because as we've seen, it can actually be quite dangerous and quite harmful to the child itself if you are overweight or have carrying too much weight during pregnancy. Okay. Gabby, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Um, Palisa, I have no idea if we have a winner or not for this WeChat no, she's shaking her head. Um, I'm, I'm going to take that as a no. Yep, usually shaking your head. Uh, one shaking their head does mean no. Um, Aspasia Karas will be back next week joining me again for another edition of Between Two Femmes. Uh, coming up next is Gareth Armstrong and Lubin Boya. This is cliffcentral.com. Cliffcentral.com.